Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the JRPG Report. My name is James Fisher. You're listening to episode 107, and we are just a couple days away from a day that many of us thought would never come. It is finally here. As of this recording, it is April the 8th, two days before the worldwide release of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, some of you listeners, um, and then many people that you know, may actually already be playing this. Some people won't be playing it for a while after the 10th, but that is a rant that I'm going to leave until the end of the podcast. So, we've got a few fun things on tap this week. Not nearly uh, the big podcast that we had last week, because a ton of news dropped. But we do have some fun things to talk about, and I'm going to leave all the remake news for the end of the podcast, because I want to start off with a very interesting article that Gametsu published the other day. Uh, this is an interview by Kristen Miller, and or Kirsten Miller, and she interviewed Falcon President Toshihiro Kondo. And this is kind of not only talking about the new Legends of Hero, Hajimari Nokoseki, as well as the PlayStation 4 versions of Zero Nokoseki and Enokoseki, the crossbow games, um, Falcom's presence in the West, and more. So let's just kind of get right into this interview. It's not too terribly long, but it's not short either, uh, but it's got some good stuff in it. There is the potential for some spoilers. I, I kind of read through it. I didn't see anything major, but um, that's just for, it does talk about this new game. So there could be some tidbits that uh, are in there that you may or may not know about. Uh, first off, they were asking, when did the planning for Hajimari no Kaseki scenarios first begin? And Mr. Kondo answers this. We started thinking about it little by little during development of Cold Steel 4. As we started to think about the next installment in the Trail series, um, Hajimari no Kaseki took shape from the desire to make a game in which Crossbell, the setting of Zero no Kaseki, has achieved independence. Um, the uh, writer or interviewer asked that uh, the game is looking similar to Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, the third. They asked, is this being seen as an opportunity to bring the content that may have been cut from it, or is the game to focus primarily on content based on topics that have come up in the more recent titles? He said, while this is certainly a fan service ex- aspect, the volume of the main story is quite hefty compared to the third. The amount of text in the main scenario for Hajimari no Kaseki is about 80% of Trails of Cold Steel 4. So rather than identical to the third, we want you to think of it as something more like a, quote, a new title with the third-like components. New characters that are planned to appear in future titles in the Trail series will also debut in this game. Um... Now this is kind of they do kind of go into some other ones that fans in the West are not going to be familiar with, including myself. Uh, they asked that they heard that the in book series three and nine will have ties 
to this game and they asked if uh, there are other books in the trail series that players should brush up on so unless you know japanese or not a fan service you're not going to know he says while you definitely want to go over 39 you may also want to review carnelia so yeah i'm unfamiliar with uh, those books in the series and to be quite frank i wasn't <laughs> aware there were uh books about this but it doesn't really surprise me monst um the interview he asked it sounds like the game is going to have a monster sized cast what has been coordination been like in the cast this large in both in terms of game development and in terms of planning with the voice actors and uh mr kondo answers with the many characters that have already appeared in the series casting didn't present much in the way of issues however the characters off uh, into the script working the characters into the script was difficult since over 50 characters can join the party there are a very large number of characters uh, by any rate by the way the dialogue between party members after a linked battle victory changes depending on the members and quite a few specific member only dialogues is also being prepared we're doing it all with both sides, stress and enjoyment. So please look forward to it. That sounds like to me, so you're going to have maybe some different um, after-party celebrations, a la the Tales series, depending on who was in the party at the time. There would be different little things afterwards. So that sounds like that is what it's been inspired by, and that would be a welcome addition. There were a few different ones in Cold Steel, but by and large, you kind of got the same one. Um, over and over. Uh, the next question is, the series is expected to move eastward to Calvert and beyond after the game, but will some of the currently unseen regions in the northwest, such as Jirai, North Ambria, and Rimaferia, to the left, be left to side or parallel content as seen in um, Legend of Heroes, Akatsuki no Kazeki? He answers, we've not yet decided. Since the stage is set to extend to the east of the continent, many new areas will be introduced. We'll figure out how to depict and handle each in time, but we think that an Akazuki-like approach is interesting and something to think about in the future. Now here's where some things get kind of interesting. Falcom games are notorious for their delayed release in the West. Uh, Zero no Kuseki and A no Kuseki, for example, never made it out in English. With the PlayStation 4 versions on the way, are there any plans to release those titles in the West? How about Yeez 9? Uh, he answers, I very much regret that we were unable to release Zero and AO in the West. I think that releasing the PlayStation 4, releasing them on PlayStation 4 will lead to an opportunity to release these games in North America and Europe. That's the first conf uh, at least hint at and semi-confirmation that these games are coming west. Awesome. As for Yeez 9, preparations are currently underway for release in the west, i.e. we are <laughs> um Putting a little bit of pressure on NIS America to either uh, put up or shut up. Um, get this game a rolling. Obviously, we just got the announcement that Cold Steel 4 is coming from NIS America. And um, I would imagine that they are going to be handling Yeez 9 as well. So that is also the first time that I have seen confirmation or at least uh, uh, strong hinting at and 
we are moving this game along towards the West. That's very good. Uh, next question. With the release of Zero and AO for the PlayStation 4, the Trails in the Sky series will be the only main only games in the mainline Trail series not available on PS4. Given that they were released on PS3 and Vita, uh, do you plan on making these as titles as well available for PS4? Is there any hope of the PSP-only Naoto Nokoseki on a modern console? And here's his answer. Both users who own modern consoles and platform holders will often request Trails in the Sky, so I have some homework to do. Personally, I'd like to recreate everything in 3D. Uh, Naoto's gameplay is extremely well received, so I think it would be a waste to bury it as a PSP only game. So, would not confirm that those games were coming to the PS4. It's a little late in the life cycle for that. Um, so, we'll have to wait and see on that. Steam may be the best place for you to get those titles. And as I have recently at least started Trails in the Sky on Steam, I can say it looks phenomenal on there um i did try to uh stretch it out and play it on my tv and found there was something to be lost kind of in the uh once you expanded it out quite that far but playing on my laptop which i think is a 17 inch something like that it looked really good so that just may be the best way to play these games um Few more questions. During the shareholder meeting in December, they brought up about working on an in-house game engine. What was the decision behind this instead of using something like Unreal Engine 4? Mr. Kondo answers that we considered uh, UE4 as an option at first. For the Trails of Cold Steel series, we used an external engine, and it was good enough when we started working on the series. But development in the series advanced. There were some incompatibilities with our game plan. For example, in uh, in Cold Steel, a large number of unique models were displayed during events, but the engine wasn't isn't suitable for that sort of thing. The staff proposed that if we moved forward on that condition in the future, we would be better off with our own engine. Each engine route comes with its own benefits and inconveniences, so I don't think it's a discussion of which one is superior. Um, he said fans of Falcom game or the interview asked, uh, if fans of Falcom games have been growing immensely in the West in the past few years, what kind of effort has there been to get the feedback of English speaking fans and how much is this growing audience impacted business decisions within the company? He's as, or answers, I have actually had more opportunities to exchange information with distributors, media, and users in North America and Europe over the past few years. I'm happily surprised because we hadn't had these opportunities in the past. These days, sales in North America and Europe are extremely important to Falcom and are often brought up on the agenda when discussing possible title selection and content. I think it's a very good thing. Uh, So we've actually discussed quite a bit about, um, had some discussions uh, off in Twitter and and on uh, Facebook about does Falcom need to start moving forward, have these as simultaneous worldwide releases. He didn't say or answer anything like that, uh, but he does say the West is a much more important part of their game plan. So maybe it is something that they will move forward to. I think that as a company, they would need to grow greatly in order to meet this kind of demand. 
but we'll see what happens. And lastly, he, they asked, before you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to your audience or fans of Falcom Games in the West? Mr. Kondo answers, thank you for your interest in Nihon Falcom Games. Falcom will celebrate its 40th anniversary next year. Falcom has been carefully crafted game content for 40 years, and we believe that's what has led us to today. You all may have only learned about our content recently, but we want to keep delivering carefully crafted game content so we always have been so we always have been in the future. So we hope for your up with it for us in the long run. So yeah, there you go. That's a um, good look at kind of the state of things going on with Falcom. I think it was a perfect time to release a interview like that after announcement last week about Cold Steel 4 finally coming to the West in the fall for PS4. Of course, uh, Switch and PC will get it probably sometime late winter, I would have to guess, in 2021. Kind of riding on those uh, coattails about what the company is going forward. We're going to be talking a lot more about um, the game at the beginning of this article, Legend of Heroes, Hajimari Nokoseki. So I kind of wanted to also springboard that into our Sunday conversation this Sunday, where I'm going to be going back and um, really detailing the three story arcs that are going to be presented in this game. Um, you kind of got a teasing of that in this interview, but I really want to dive into that full bore. I'm doing it as a Sunday one because it's full of spoilers but I think you guys will enjoy it nonetheless. So what are your uh, feelings on this? Obviously, we got some good news in that Ease 9 is definitely coming west. Um, both the Crossbow games at least sound like they want to be brought over to the west. There's really no reason not to. Now, on Falcom's timetable, when that is, who can guess? Now, of course, uh, in Japan... Ao Nokoseki and Zero Nokoseki are due out on April 23rd and May 28th, respectively. So by that timetable, maybe we get them by the holidays. Um, although that would be kind of odd to have Cold Steel 4 and both these games come at the same time. I'm sure there will be a staggered effect brought out if and when that does happen. We got some information out of IGN this week that they are going to be hosting a Summer of Gaming digital event in early June. It's going to have the latest news, previews, developer interviews, and more on upcoming games and next-generation hardware. This is kind of in reaction to, of course, E3 being canceled. And um, I just actually heard this as well, that it was previously noted that E3 organizers, uh, the Entertainment Software Association, we're kind of looking at different options as far as holding an online experience for the event. It has been kind of reported um, from Game Informer actually citing several sources that the organization will actually not hold any sort of event and instead, uh, quote, lean on publisher and developer partners. Uh, an official announcement is supposed to be coming out next week as to I guess what they are are or are not actually doing. So I think IGN's kind of getting out there in front of this as if you ever watch 
at least uh, the past couple of years, anything going on with E3. IGN has been right there, not only showing things as they were coming out, but immediately with uh, reactions to and then um, interviews, all that type of thing. So it kind of sounds like, okay, we'll just kind of do our own thing this way, you know, have some distances involved with with things. But uh, participating companies already included 2K Games, Amazon, Bandai Namco, uh, Developer Digital, Google, Sega, Square Enix, THQ Nordic, Twitter, and more to be announced later. The event will feature live broadcast and on-demand programming such as publisher presentations with IGN pre- and post-discussions, remote developer interviews, hands-on demonstrations, preview impressions, gameplay, and news segments recapping the biggest announcements now i really kind of feel like this is cool too viewers will be able to participate by sending in reaction videos voting on their favorite announcements and more Uh, here's a quote from ign with the next generation of console gaming kicking off later this year and gamers eager to learn more about what games will be playing on their new hardware our online event will be a key moment for publishers and developers to connect with a worldwide audience and that's IGN chief content and product officer Peter Schneider said in a statement um, IGN EVP and general manager y'all pro I guess that's how you say his last name added more and more people are tuning towards video games for entertainment and escapism uh, last week they saw record traffic across all their platforms and they're excited to bring this global digital event to audiences and partners as this event this will be an event not to be missed. It, you know, it's certainly been sad what's going on with all these cancellations, but uh, we've kind of seen this on a day-to-day interaction. It's it's embracing the technology that can bring us together in times that we had to be separated. So, you know, with my little one, we've been having uh, they've been having video chats with all the kids and the teachers in their in their class and uh, that's how we're connecting with our friends and family we're having you know either uh just facetime talks or on the phone um my daughter had a, a doctor's uh, quote-unquote appointment on you know on the computer and, and video conference so it yeah it's kind of one of the things like if this had happened 20 years ago it would not be like this so you know in terms of these events fans can stay at home and get every bit the experience that they would perhaps by getting there and can even play the games in limited release windows. So I feel like this is just an opportunity to really change the way we deliver content, fully embrace kind of the things that we've explored a little bit, but really make these things more interactive and fun. Like I love the idea of having the uh, game reactions sent in and voting on their favorite announcements and stuff like that, really making people feel a part of something. Because for 95% of fans, they couldn't go to E3 anyway. They were going to be tuning in to IGN and other outlets to find out all this information. So why not bring it directly to those people anyway? So that's my <laughs> that's my two cents on it. I'm looking forward to... You know, I was kind of bummed that E3 wasn't going to go on. And, you know, Tokyo Game Show hasn't made an announcement yet, but I'm sure there will be at some point. And that is a bummer. But the same way, maybe it's just a different way of experiencing it. And uh, maybe we'll be still on uh, 
uh, quarantined and on house arrest, and we won't have to uh, pretend work while we're actually watching video game announcements in June. Got two stories about kind of our retro JRPGs or inspired by them games coming out here soon. Uh, first, we did talk about uh, the um, upcoming game Sea of Stars a little bit. I believe it was last week, maybe the week before. Uh, we've got a bit of an update on that. And that is going to be that uh, Yashinoru Matsuda is going to be contributing music to this game. Now, you may not know that name off the top of my head, but you will know what he has been involved in. And that is works on such things as the... Chrono Trigger, Xenogears, and the Shadow Hearts series. He will join Sea of Stars composer Eric Brown in developing original music for the game. Here's a quote from him. He said, without knowing exactly why I want to write music for this game, uh, was a feeling I had while seeing it convey the nostalgic golden era of the 90s, Mitsuda said in a press release. Although there are still many games being released with this classic style, I don't think players are satisfied with just nostalgia. As seen in their previous game, by adding new systems and ideas to classic formulas, Sabotage Studio breathes fresh, new air into the work. He continued in saying, Impressed by the respect they show for past games, while at the same time giving players new ways to have fun, I found myself wanting to make a game with everyone at Sabotage Studio. Please look forward to an exciting adventure. And then we got a quote from the Sabotage Studio creative director and CEO, Theory Bullinger. He added, Mitsuda's music has carried me for years, and I still listen to his work every week while, while working at the studio. He has been such an inspiration for so many of us, we couldn't be more honored that some of his music will be added to our game. It's exactly what Sea of Stars needed to, fully, to feel truly whole. Uh, and good news for this game, the Kickstarter campaign, which launched back on March 19th and will end in 10 more days, has met its goal and then some. Uh, it met its funding goal in less than seven hours and currently is about five times what its first goal was. So that clears all of its currently announced stretch goals, including single player plus and the bonus bonus dungeon, in-game cinematics, a behind-the-scenes documentary, and new game plus, as well as an alternate ending. So it sounds like this game is good to go. It is planned for release on consoles and PC via Steam in 2022, but, you know, maybe with making this funding, that could push it up to the end of 2021. I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but anytime you add a <laughs> behemoth in the music industry for games like Mitsuda, that's going to add some more credibility to your game. I was already looking forward to Sea of Stars, and I am so even more now. Um, if you're looking for a, uh, a game to play here fairly soon, you can check out Eternal Radiance. This is from Visual Noveler. They'll release the faction, uh, fantasy RPG action RPG for PC via Steam Early Access on April 14th, the developer announced. This Early Access version will feature three story chapters with an estimated total playtime of about 8 to 12 hours. The full game, which is planned for release across PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC, 
will have 11 chapters in total. Here's a quick overview of the game. Inspired by classic auction JRPGs, Eternal Radiance is an action role-playing game about a squire named Celeste who begins a journey to prove herself worthy of becoming a true knight. Her quest takes her far from home, across the continent, in pursuit of a thief whose actions stem from a sinister plot. Its character-driven plot focuses on interaction between Celeste and her companions as they hunt down the thief. Our goal is to make the game lighthearted and humorous, yet still tell a compelling story. Eternal Radiance features an exciting and fast-paced action combat system, and Celeste's fighting style can be customized to suit your playstyle with a talent tree and upgrade feature. There is a English trailer to go along with this if you want to check it out. And of course, you can check out this story as well as every story we talk about, not only on our Facebook page, but also on our Twitter feed at JRPG Report. Seems like a good time to take a quick break. I've got uh, just a few more stories to talk about, and uh, then we'll end it up with some remake talkings and news here on the JRPG Report. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and every week to your weekly JRPG podcast. Of course, don't forget this is family friendly. So, you know, if you want to listen to it in front of the kiddos, you don't have to worry about anything bad coming out of your speakers. Uh, don't forget, give us a like on Facebook, follow on Twitter. We've got our YouTube channel um, showcasing uh, uh, each week there's a video version of this podcast, and of course it has all my live streams. Right now we're playing through Persona 5 Royal, and up until whenever I get remake. And of course, if you would like to support this podcast, there is a link at the bottom of the episode that you can do. And just as little as a dollar per month will uh, help this thing keep on going, delivering uh, great content each and every week. We always do a news podcast, and I sure do try to always do a Sunday special. Sometimes it may not work out, but got a little more time on my hands now, so we can do that. I've got, uh, there were two videos that came out this week for Genshin Impact. The first one was pretty cool. It showed a um, more of a battle and game trailer for the character uh, Faisal, or how do you say her name? We talked about her last week, but this video really showed off uh, her fighting skills as well as um, the uh, Night Raven that uh, she has with her. So, kind of really showed how beautiful the game is in action, as well as um, just giving you an overall feel for the game. The other video was equally beautiful. But it was just uh, cinematics, and it kind of showed off a, uh, a lantern festival going on. At the beginning of the video, it says spoiler alert in the title, but I, I didn't see anything. Um, just looked really cool and really pretty. So if you're interested in either of those videos, either you can watch the YouTube version of this, or you can check out the stories on Facebook or Twitter. We uh, think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but um, the Switch version of Mega Dimension Neptunia 7, which came out back on um, March 19th in Japan, 
is coming to the West via the Nintendo eShop this summer, publisher ID Factory International announced. Uh, downloadable content made available for PS4 and PC versions will be available for purchase as add-on content for the f- Switch version as well. Um, of course, this game came out back on PS4 back in uh, April 2015 in Japan, February 2016 in the West. It's been on PC since July of 2016, and uh, I guess they just said, hey, Let's put this on the Switch. See if anybody wants to check it out. The Neptunia games are unique. Um, I do enjoy them. Uh, they have a really funny sense of humor and a pretty decent battle system. But um, they are a bit of fan service. And uh, if you look at any images for the game, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. But it's a very interesting world. And... Uh, well, at some point this summer, I I don't know why it's taken so long to make a game that's, I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be four years, but uh, yeah, Switch owners will get to play it. It does say eShop, so I'm assuming this is going to be digital only. If you've been waiting this long, you can wait a bit longer for it. Um, we got some details on VVVTunia, and this is about M. V battle. So the V idols that appear as heroines in VVV Tunia, such as me and you, can utilize a boss battle system called MV Bottle, which deploys dedicated songs sung by the V idols to the background music. A boss is your opponent in an MV battle, which is far stronger than the anti that wander the fields. Gather the strength of the four gosses and the V idols. To defeat the boss. Sounds like an interesting way of doing a boss battle, to say the least. Um, they did talk about other guest VTubers. And these are uh, people probably that you would only recognize in Japan. Um, something uh, Pinky Pop Hipburn is one of them. Uh, Peanuts Coon. Uh, from These are all YouTube and Twitter peoples. So they're all going to be making... All kinds of appearances in this thing. Um, a interesting sounding game, and it gets more and more interesting by <laughs> the minute in terms of what's going into this game. Um, kind of excited about it, but not completely. We'll just have to wait and see a little bit later about what exactly goes into this title. All right, guys and gals, you've waited this long, so it is finally time to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Usually, it leads the podcast. Um, it has for a while now, but I kind of wanted to put it at the very end, at least for one episode, as uh, obviously next week we'll have a hands-on impression of the game. But even in the last week before its release, we've got news and information on it. Uh, back a few days ago on April 3rd, they released the quote final unquote trailer for a Final Fantasy VII remake. I did watch this thing once again, maybe wish I hadn't watched it, but, uh, um, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Um, they are, it's, you know, we've made the comparison before about 
Are they showing too much? Is it what they did with Kingdom Hearts 3, where we learned everything about it before the game came out and didn't leave any surprises? They're getting darn close to it, and thank goodness the game's coming out, so there's still going to be plenty that we haven't seen. If you've not seen the trailer yet, I'd probably advise you not to, as there's some things in there that would probably be best just experienced in the actual game itself. You know, it's almost like watching a movie and seeing half the scenes beforehand. Yeah, there's still going to be new stuff, but it would be better just to kind of wait. Um, so yeah, it's it's shaping up to be spectacular. Um, I, there's plenty of people that have it already, and there's some initial impressions that is just as incredible as uh, as we've wanted it to always be. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, I'm not going to show it just because of that. Um, I am going to show bits and pieces of this final video interview. I'm guessing it's final interview. This is the fourth in the Inside FF7 Remake multi-part series with the key staff behind the game. Shouldn't be any <laughs> spoilers in that. This fourth video features interviews with producer Yoshinoro Katase, music supervisor Kiji Kawamori, sound director Makoto Ais, and composers Mitsuto Suzuki and Masasashi Hamazuru. I am sorry if I <laughs> did any of those or all of those incorrectly. Uh, so yeah, this one kind of talks about all the music behind the game. And uh, that is one of the things I'm really looking forward to is hearing how great this music really is. Um, I got a piece of that. In the demo, uh, we've heard quite a bit of it in the videos that have come out for it, but to actually see it and experience it all at once, quite looking forward to all that. We got one final media blast as well, and I actually don't want to get into it too much as it these were characters that were really shown off in the... Um, latest trailer but we finally did see rufus the son of president shinra and uh, you saw him in advent children of course you saw you know this is definitely inspired by that he is the president's son and current vice president uh, he had recently been away for an extended business trip an immensely prideful man with a strong rebellious streak towards his father. Despite being vice president, he sometimes enters the battlefield himself, armed with a custom-made shotgun and protected by Darkstar, a military canine. Now, we've seen Palmer a few times before, the director of Space and Aeronautics Division. Uh, he's the eldest of the company's executive, but has no real power or influence his division, originally founded with the latest technology at Shinra's disposal, has all but folded since it failed to launch a rocket. Um, if you've never played Final Fantasy VII, his, uh, his role in it is humorous and definitely becomes more pronounced a little bit later in the game. You'll learn about those type of things, I'm guessing, in 
uh, episode two of remake whenever it comes out whenever uh, that uh, because his division activities have been suspended he finds himself with a lot of time in his hand and he's fond of butter in his teas and quartles in a distinctive manner yeah he's one of the more humorous parts of the original i hope he has that same role in remake uh, we saw reeve um he's the head of urban development at the company he's in charge of the management and maintenance of the mako city midgar while unusual for a shinra executive he turns his focus to the midgar slums in hopes of improving the environment the only person with a sense of decency among management he is often disregarded by other leaders who value profit and performance and we got some details on scarlet as well she is the director of advanced weaponry during the war her innovative high-end armaments brought a sizable chunk of change for the company her wartime efforts and the resulting profits saw scarlet quickly promoted to executive officer she's highly capable as one would expect from someone placed in charge of shinra's weapon development the last character we got a little bit of a stink on is Kyrie cannon or Kanon, a girl from the sector five slums who makes a living off pulling off scams and then unsuspecting victims although fearless she often finds herself in trouble i read somewheres where this character came from but i, I don't remember what it was she was in an offshoot somewhere along the line. The last thing they talk about is Moogle medals. Now this is new. Uh, didn't appear in the original game. They can be found inside treasure boxes. And in those Shinra company crates. That you uh, like to bust up all over the place. A la like Ratchet used to do with his wrench. Crates everywhere. You had to search high and low to get your hands on them. There seems to be someone in Midgar who collects them. And you may be rewarded. If you exchange those, some images went along with all those characters that they talked about. You'll get to meet each and one of these people very soon, hopefully. So that brings me to the last part of today's podcast, and it's a bit of a rant. So if you'll just bear with me for a moment, I I feel the need to say this, and I don't want to feel this way. And maybe if it wasn't affecting me personally. I wouldn't be this way. I don't know who's dropping the ball on all this, but I actually think it's Amazon. Um, it may just be the collector's edition as well. I'm not sure if regular editions are affected this way, but um, of course the game comes out on the 10th. I'm not getting my copy until Tuesday the 14th. Amazon has finally at least said that's when the game is coming out or going to be delivered for me. Now, we are in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. We knew there would be delays, could be delays. But that doesn't actually seem like that's been the case at all. Um, we heard early reports that some countries like Australia were going to be in the game early, and they did get the game early, up to, I've heard, as much as 10 days early. So there are a ton of people, and of course I'm on Twitter, so I, I see all these people, and they're not like they're early access reviewers or anything like that. They're just average Joes who have this game. Um, and I could, 
I can handle people getting it early. I think if I still got it on time, but the fact that I've got to wait even longer really kind of grinds my gears. Um, there's going to be, and you know, like Jordan who won our contest and got a free, you know, copy of the deluxe edition has to wait along with me. Um, so are you affected by this? Are you, do you have the game already? Are you already playing? Do you not care that <laughs> the people who've been looking forward to this game for 20 some years have to wait a few more days? And so here's why I think this is solely on Amazon. As far as my knowing is, they say there's delays that priorities have to be made that they are, you know, doing the best they can. All these everybody stuck at home. So there's so many more orders, blah, blah, blah. Um, a few days ago, we ordered a few little things for our daughter's Easter basket coming up, a stuffed animal, some books, and some markers. They were here two days later from order until delivery two days. (laughs) So I could hardly say those were necessity items. Why were those given such a preference? Um, so yeah, I just had to get that off my chest. I don't understand why I don't like it. And so when I make next week's podcast and I've only been playing it for a day, you'll just have to understand that's just how far behind I'm going to be the rest of the world. Not happy about it, but what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, so yeah, leave a comment on the Facebook page if uh, if you are being affected by this as well. Are you uh, ticked off about it? Are you just taking it as it comes? You don't really have a choice. How do you feel? That's going to wrap up episode 107. Don't forget, check back in on Sunday. We'll be having our uh, Legend of Heroes, Jeremy Hamajaro Nogazeki special. Be warned. If you don't want spoilers, you probably don't want to tune in for that one. We'll be back next week with my initial reactions to Remake and how great it is and uh, all that fun stuff. Hope you guys enjoy it if you've got it early. And don't spoil things for the rest of us. That's about all I can say. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Don't forget, get back out there and level up.